Amen. Please remain standing. This morning I would like to direct your attention to two scripture readings. The first one comes from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, Old Testament reading. Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning from verse 1 to uh, 3. Moses, the great teacher of Israel, reminded the people of Israel how men in this world can be fully satisfied in this life. And I want to encourage all of you to listen to Moses as he reveals that truth uh, for the people of Israel and all of us this morning. The whole uh, commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now turn to the Gospel of John as we continue making our way through the Gospel of John, we come this morning to chapter 6, uh, beginning from verse uh, 22 to 29. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeing Jesus, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did he come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you are filled of the loves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God, uh, the Father, has set his seal. Then they say to him, What must we do to be doing uh, the work of God, the works of God? 
Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. The word of God for God's people. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, as we just sang together before the reading of your word, this morning we join your servant Samuel in saying to you, our master, Lord, master, speak, your servants are listening. Amen. You may be seated. I think you all would agree with me about one truth concerning all of us human beings. We all are prone to be unsatisfied with the things that we have in this life. So we seek after more things that we don't have, that we don't possess in life, and yet we remain to be unsatisfied. So the question always is, what does it take for us, believers and unbelievers, to be completely satisfied in this life? Well, God's word has an answer for that. Jesus came into the world to be our eternal satisfaction, to give us full satisfaction in life. Remember the words of Christ in John 17, 3. Jesus said, this is eternal life. Jesus said, this is the kind of life that endures forever. This is the kind of life that endures forever and brings full satisfaction in anyone's life. What kind of eternal life? What is that? That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus whom you have sent. You see, beloved, Jesus was saying, if you people in this world, if you want to be fully satisfied in this life, you need to know God, and you need to know Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Because the Father appointed and sealed his son Jesus Christ to bring this satisfaction into your life. Well, with most people in Jesus' time, the opposite, the opposite was true. They were looking for their full satisfaction not on the person and the work of Jesus Christ, but they were looking for their full satisfaction in what He gives, what He provides. Their satisfaction was uh, depending and relying on uh, not the giver, but the gifts that the giver gives. 
They were not interested in Jesus, the bread of life, but they were interested and excited about what he would give to them. Jesus was very clear about that. Uh, Notice verse uh, 26. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you. And, you know, often I tell you, and I, I hope you remember this, Every time you hear truly, truly say to you two times, something serious is coming. It means you need to pay attention here. And Jesus told them, truly, truly I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs. Not because you saw me turning the water into, into wine and, um, and seeing the sign that I did with the, uh, with the noble son, healing his son from a distance, being this omnipotent God. Not because you saw the sign of the, the miracle that I did with five barley loaves and two fish. You're not seeking me to believe in me as a savior. You're not seeking me to repent and put your faith and trust in me. But you are seeking me for earthly benefit, for material prosperity. So in our text this morning, my friends, Jesus is exposing the spiritual crisis in the hearts and the minds of those people who seek him for wrong reasons and calls people to find their true satisfaction in him. And I want us to unfold that, to understand that, Under three simple points this morning, first, Jesus knows what is in the heart of man. He knows. Verse 22 and 26. And then Jesus' desire that satisfies fully. You will see that in verse 27. And then Jesus reveals the true way to true satisfaction. Verses 28 and 29. But first, I want us to consider... The the fact that Jesus knows what is in the heart of all people. John tells us here, on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Now, let me refresh your mind. You know, Jesus feeds the, the multitude. And, and we, we concluded they were about, what, 15, 20,000 people. Men and women and children. And it was a miracle. It was a miraculous act because he multiplied the five barley loaves and two fish and uh, gave to the multitude enough to be satisfied, to, to, to get what they wanted at the time. It was a miracle. And uh, after that day, that's what John is telling us, 
Not only that, but also Jesus manifested his deity by walking on the water. And uh, last Sunday we saw what he created, waters and wind and storm. All of them were under his feet. And, and Paul reminded us that the Father put everything under his subjection. So after they saw all these things, after they witnessed all these things, they came to Jesus. They were seeking after Jesus. And they went around the sea and, and they met Jesus on the other side of the sea. And they asked him this you know, very interesting question. How did he get here? How did he come? And you would normally expect Jesus to say to them, why are you surprised that I am God? Boom, you know? Boom. But you don't, we don't see Jesus doing that. Instead, Jesus gives them what they needed at that specific time. And Jesus always does that. Remember, Nicodemus came to Jesus and he admired him as, you know, the only true uh, teacher and prophet um, who receives revelation and wisdom from above. And Jesus didn't respond anything about that. And he said, Jesus told him, you know what? You need, you need to be born again. That's what you need right now. That should be the discussion right now. The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, how can you ask me to give you water? We don't have a relationship. You are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. And Jesus told the woman, listen, if you really know the one who is asking you to give him water, he would give you water, eternal water. Living water. That's what Jesus does. Jesus always gives people and tells people what they need to hear at that specific moment of their life. And he does the same with these people. Jesus tells them this. Truly, truly I say to you in verse 26. You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. See what Jesus is doing here. These are Jews, people. These are Israelites. And Jesus is telling them, you know what? You are doing something contrary to what your great teacher Moses told you. Moses in Deuteronomy 8.3 told you, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out from the mouth of God. You are contradicting with Moses. You are seeking me for the sake of earthly bread. And you all need to know, you know, at that time, bread means everything to those people. In Israel, if they want to give you the picture of life, the picture of satisfaction, they always say bread. 
It's not like today. You would say many things to describe a happy life, you know, satisfied life. But in Israel, it's always bread. And Jesus is telling them here, Moses told you, you shall not live by physical bread, material things, possessions, riches, fame, power, sex. But by every word that comes out from the mouth of God. You see, Jesus is exposing them. Beloved, you and I, we need to know one thing this morning. A pastor might, kn- might not know us. A pastor might not know our hearts. Our elders might not know what we are thinking right now. But Jesus knows. Jesus knows. God knows. Jesus is God. He knows. He knows what we are thinking right now. He knows why we are in church. He knows whether we are worshiping right now, joyfully, wholeheartedly, or our worship is in vain. Proverbs 21.2 Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord wastes the heart. Remember Jesus, what he told to Nathanael. When he called him by his name, Nathanael said to Jesus, how, do, how did you know me? Jesus told him, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. I not only know your name, I also know your character. Because Jesus concerning Nathanael, Nathanael said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. How would Jesus know? Because he's God. He knows our hearts. You know, the disciples, when they had to replace uh, Judas, and they had a time of prayer uh, to choose between uh, Joseph or Matthias, and this is how they prayed in Acts 1.24. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen? You, Lord, who know the hearts of all. You see, my friends, what Jesus is doing here is, for Jesus to tell them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me because, uh, not because, uh, because he saw the signs, what you're doing is not uh, of faith, you know, saving faith. I don't see repentance. I don't see um, relying on, uh, on me for salvation, for forgiveness. Uh, everything I see is um, greed and uh, looking for satisfaction in the things of this life. This beloved is um, um, a sharp and cutting uh, rebuke of the carnal uh, mindedness. Severe rebuke from the one who knows all hearts. 
He reads all secret motives. Uh, this was a sad exposure of many people who were following him for earthly benefit, for material blessing, as if they will find their full eternal satisfaction on them. Food, money, power, your employment, your family. You and I as believers, we need to be extremely careful to even imagine that these things come first in, in, in the Christian life. They all are good. They all, they all are God's gifts for us. But we don't labor for them to bring uh, full satisfaction to us. Proverbs 27, 24. For riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations? Answer, no. It doesn't endure forever. They don't endure forever. First John 2, 17. And the world is passing away along with, it, with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Beloved, the world and everything in it is temporary. You and I are temporary because eventually we'll die. The, the earth that God created, it is temporary. One day, that day is coming, one day God will make a new heaven and a new earth. This will be gone. But there is something that is eternal, enduring, that's where Jesus is pointing these people to. And all of us this morning. Not, not the things of this world. But the things of God. The things of God. That's not verse 36. Because he saw signs. Uh, not because you saw signs and believed in me as the Messiah who will satisfy your spiritual hunger or need, but because your bellies are full. Remember what Paul said in Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not um, a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. And then we come to Jesus' desire that satisfies fully. He exposes uh, their hearts and uh, their wrong motives. And then in verse 27, he tells them this. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Now, he was not going to leave them in the dark. But he tells them what his desire was. What his desire is. The desire of Jesus that brings full satisfaction in people's life. And Jesus gives them uh, this exhortation, do not work or labor for the food that perishes. Now let me tell you what Jesus is not doing. Jesus here is not um, discouraging 
um, uh, work, work ethics. Jesus is not downplaying the importance of you and I working hard, invest, success in life. Because the word of God, you would remember in 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, He who does not work shall not eat. Every time I quote this verse from the pulpit, I remember this couple from India, back home in Eritrea. The, the wife was, teach, was a teacher, a, for, you know, a, a, for, a foreign teacher in the school. Her husband doesn't work. Her husband spends every day playing, um, you know, playing outside and, and uh, playing billiards, you know, every day. And, and one Sunday I was preaching. And uh, I quoted this verse from the pulpit. If anyone doesn't work, should not eat. And his wife, I saw the, his wife turning her face toward him. And later on, I was told, she told him, no food for you today. You're not going to eat today. So you see, Jesus here is not discouraging work, but this is what he's saying. Do not exclusively and excessively labor in the things of the world as if they bring to you full satisfaction. Exclusively means with the exclusion of the things of God. The exclusion of the reading of God's word, meditation on the word of God, the exclusion of worship, the exclusion of the preaching of the word of God, the fellowship of the saints, and the sacrament. Don't labor on the things of this world with the exclusion of these things. Then you will be like these people. Jesus will say to you, you are seeking me for this benefit, not for salvation, not for spiritual blessings. Don't labor exclusively. That's what Jesus is saying. And don't, don't labor excessively. To, to the greater degree that the things of God are forgotten or neglected. Don't do that. Because the Bible says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and other things shall be added unto you. Matthew 6, 33. And in Luke 12, 46, Remember, Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, even his own life, cannot be my disciple. We don't take that literally, do, do, do we? And hate our, our, our parents, and brothers, and sisters, and, and even our own life. What Jesus is saying here is, when you compare me with other things, bread, in this case, material blessings. You know, Jesus was telling these people, I didn't come to this world to become a means of advancing your material prosperity, like the, you know, the kind of preaching that we hear today. I didn't come for 
for the advancement of your material prosperity. I came to save you from your sin. I came to reconcile you with my father. What comes first? Your spiritual food, your spiritual nourishment, your relationship with God, the worship of God, the reading of his word, the preaching of his word. Your fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. The corporate prayer of God's people. We don't exclude these things and say, well, you know, my family comes first. My job is the most important thing in this life. It is not. It's the gift of God, but it's not the most important thing. If you do that, then you are laboring exclusively and excessively. And what it does is it's going to kill your relationship with God and your your relationship with the Word of God as the means of grace. Lastly, Jesus reveals the true way to true satisfaction. You know, they listen to Jesus and they say to Jesus, then they say to him in verse 28, what must we do to be doing the work of the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Isn't that amazing? You know, the dullness, you know, the slackness of the unregenerate heart is so, um, so concerning, so dark. He just told them, your satisfaction is in me. Now they're telling them, they're asking him, so what must we do? You know, doing, you know, men and women of this world, they always, to, they always want to do something toward their salvation, toward their satisfaction. We always want to do something, to contribute something, to help God with something. He doesn't need our help. The rich, the rich young ruler, ruler, ruler came to Jesus and he said to him, you know, teacher, what must I do? That's what he asked. The Philippian jailer, you remember, sirs, what must I do to be saved? We always want to do something. And Jesus' answers, answer was, listen, it's not your work. It's God's work. Just come and rest in what God has done for you. You just appropriate the gift of eternal life by faith. You don't do anything. It's not your work. It's God's work. We have been saved, Paul said, by grace and through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And that is a gift of God. It is not our doing. So that no one would boast. Yes, we exercise faith, but faith is a gift from God. It's what God gives us to appropriate the salvation that He brought to us. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, beloved. I am the bread of life. If anyone comes to me, if anyone believes in me, 
He will not be hungry. And he will not be thirst. But that person would be fully satisfied. Jesus said in John 10, 9, you will come in and go out and you will be saved and you will be satisfied because I am your eternal satisfaction. So beloved, let me bring you back to the question that I asked it. At the beginning of my preaching this morning, what would it take for you to be fully satisfied? Why are you seeking Jesus this morning? Why are you in church hearing the preaching of the word of God? Why are you here? Are you here to find your full satisfaction in Christ, the bread of life? Or you are here because you have to be here. My hope and prayer is that we all are here to be satisfied, fully satisfied in Jesus Christ our Savior. And the way to find that satisfaction is to believe in him and rest in him completely. Remember what the church father, Augustine, said one time? He said, and I quote, Lord, you created us for yourself, and our hearts will never rest until they rest in you. Beloved, your hearts will never rest, will never satisfy in the things of this world. But if you have them rest in Christ, indeed they will be satisfied in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, Oh Lord, thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, to each and every one of us who have believed in him. And this morning we ask you, Lord, to grant us your Holy Spirit for our hearts to rest in Christ, the bread of life, to become fully satisfied in him. Oh Lord, Spare us from seeking for satisfaction in the things of this world. Help us not to labor exclusively and excessively, but to seek you and your kingdom and your righteousness first. And then you are God, according to your will, would add all the things that we need in this life. We pray all these things in the glorious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the bread of life. In his name we pray. Amen.